Hey everyone, welcome to the Exact Cyber Education Episode 1, Program Assessments. I'm your host, Dr. B. Program assessments have several elements to it, so no wonder many people find it confusing and don't know how to get started. So today, I will do a deep dive in the elements of a good program assessment and what it takes to get it developed, executed, and reported out. So it will be a great program, so let's get started. Hey, I'll be presenting to you a six-step cybersecurity program assessment framework. We'll discuss each step of the framework and how it will help you to achieve a comprehensive assessment. So let me, let me ask you this. Have you ever been asked or even tasked by a manager to perform program assessment and then just turning around and just hitting Google for templates, steps, and, and even search for the definition of program assessment? If so, I'm here to help you. So let's start by saying that you're not alone. I will guide you through this six-step framework and will be able to implement in your workplace. It will provide you with a repeatable results. You look like a pro at this. One last thing before we get started. What is a cybersecurity program assessment? Let's answer this question first then, right? A cybersecurity program assessment is a process that you will design to provide your organization or department with a comprehensive review of the tools they have, the processes they implemented, the policy standards and procedures, even practices in place at your organization today. That's what boils down to it. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. You will compare these elements, the, the policy and standard procedures, to a gold standard. That's usually common practice. And, and each industry may vary a little bit. Most cybersecurity organizations leverage either the NIST cybersecurity framework, well, NIST CSF, the NIST 853, or even the ISO 27001 and 27002 standards. They, they, they're all effective. You know, I think the major glaring difference that you might find, you know, the NIST um, standards and documentations are freely available. The ISO is something that you buy and that license is assigned to you specifically. But they all are very effective for this purpose. But whatever you decide or your organization decides to follow, don't worry. The next steps I will talk about, it won't change at all. No one change, so you're good to go because I'll give you a framework that you can use to perform a consistent and repeatable uh, program assessment every time. Does that make sense? Good. So let's get started with step one. The scope. The scope is a key element to conduct a program assessment. The scope must be a single focus, unambiguous and clear statement. So let's be a little bit uh, honest with ourselves here. How many times in your career you gave any attention to the scope of statement whatsoever? Well, if, if we're telling the truth, I'll tell in mine then. Um, I didn't pay attention to the scope of statement. At least not the way you should, uh, I should have, right? You have that words in there like and, or, or, which split the focus of your assessment. Now you have a fork in the road that you're going to have to pursue um, either this way or that way or end. Oh, I have to pursue both. So it's something that you need to focus, uh, have that single focus, unambiguous and very clear, not only to yourself, but also for your stakeholders. 
So usually it is something that you put together uh, because you need to tell your stakeholders what are you trying to do. But there's a lot more to scope statement than you need to know. And we're going to discuss here right now. So first of all, everyone involved on your program assessment needs to have one single interpretation of that scope statement. The, if you pass it out your scope statement to your team or even for your stakeholders, they all should read the same way and have the same interpretation, same expectations. All right. So you, you have two high level elements on the scope statement. Later on, I'll go over the five key steps in developing a scope statement. For right now, just so you know, the two high level elements are in scope and out of scope. Those two things need to be on your scope statement. So to develop a strong scope and out of scope statement, you will need to keep several key factors in mind. For example, defining the boundary, boundaries of your assessment. So what is in, what is out, and what is the exactly, folks, what you're trying to do. Defining the business need and expected outcome of the project, right? So when you start that assessment, you start that project, defining the business need should supposed to be perhaps at this point, your manager already told you, or, or it's part of uh, an improvement of the program. So you sort of have an idea. But if you're starting uh, from scratch or you're just putting a assessment program for next year so what program they're going to assess and what is it then you have to put a little bit more thought into it right so the other area you need to make sure is identifying the business areas of assessment impacted by your activity remember you might be focusing in one group but you might be engaging auxiliary groups and people that you need to be talking what would be the downstream upstream of your assessment identifying any internal or external entities, and I would say and or external entities required for your success. So if you're doing a, let's say you're doing a, a vulnerability management lifecycle assessment, but you know that your cybersecurity team only do vulnerability identification, but the patch is done by the IT. So you have an external group outside of your cybersecurity organization. It even could be outside of your organization, period, right? But you know this group is outside the, the cybersecurity. You need to engage them and let them know that this assessment will be coming and will be asking for some questions. So you need to understand that population. The out-of-scope statement. So you need to identify constraints that limit the assessment's team options for the, developing a solution. So when you have to set the out-of-scope statement, set to, you need to identify those constraints. List assumptions regarding decisions outside of the assessment scene control. For example, let's, let's use the same example that we did before, right? You're doing a vulnerability lifecycle management, and, but you're not going to address the patching perspective of that assessment because that is IT. You consider that outside the scope of your pro, program assessment. You need to put that as out-of-scope. So preemptively answer any questions that anyone reading your report later on will understand, okay, now I know why you didn't cover that. Could be a, a future assessment, absolutely, but it will not be part of yours. So that needs to be very clear. So that, so what are you trying to solve with the scope statement? Well, 
we need to have a reason because we are spending a few minutes here talking about, right? Well, in summary, the scope statement tries to reduce uncertainty. The scope uh, definition ensures all key stakeholders are on board and have a clear understanding of your assessment. That's plain and simple. Once again, the scope definition ensures that all key stakeholders are on board and have a clear understanding of your assessment. Remember, going back here there about the, the what the scope statement must be, right? Single focus, unambiguous, and it must be a clear statement. Now, now that we, we covered this area, let, let me touch base on the five key um, um, elements here that builds, that help you develop that scope statement. So number one is understand why assessment was initiated to begin with. And, and I sort of touched that a little bit uh, already. You need to understand what is the objective, why are you even doing this? Um, if it's right now, perhaps your, you know, your management wants to do an assessment in a particular program, but if you start from scratch or you setting a two year road ahead, what I'm going to assess, you know, a year or two years from now. So you need to have that clear today. What is the reason and what is the object you're trying to achieve? Um, what is the reason your manager asked to do this assessment? Perhaps you can get that information from him or her and that you can build that on your scope statement. Number two, define the key object of the assessment. Be very specific, very focused, unambiguous, so everyone understand that anyone that have, you know, becomes in touch with your scope statement, understand exactly what you're trying to do. So a few questions you can ask for yourself is, uh, are we doing this program assessment to validate compliance with internal processes? Or are we doing this program assessment to measure against industry best practices, perhaps? Well, you tell me. So what is exactly the purpose? Once you have that nailed down to understand, so they understand what to expect, if you uh, measuring them against their own standards and procedures and policies, so they understand if you know what I'm doing is in line with what I wrote, or you're doing against the industry best practice, now you're measuring the overall ongoing progress of my program is, is good enough compared to the industry. So needs, that needs to be clear. Number three, major constraints. And that you that, that is pretty pretty straightforward. So the major constraints need to encompass people, process, technology, time, and budget. Right? I'll say that again. People, process, technology, time, and budget. The 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 tricky tricky one here I'll I'll, I'll already say to you right off the bat is people. You need to be very clear on that. What do you mean when you assess people? people that is a very touch subject um, in certain organization perhaps yours and, and, and if you don't have that but it's good to know is what you assessing you assessing their their capability of doing that job now you you entering HR terrain right are they qualified are you assessing their resume against the skill sets against the job at hand so you need to be very careful that area right there so if you assessing people, you need to be very clear. What are you assessing? I would recommend to stay away from these areas uh, of, of those gray areas, right? Is that you assessing people in, in, in to a perspective that do you ha haven't sufficient personnel to 
accomplish the mission that is written on your policy, process, procedures, whatever document. Do you have sufficient, based on the volume and the amount of work you intaking uh, and the processes that you have laid out on your internal procedures, do you have sufficient people to exercise that? Stay very focused on that area. You won't have no problems if you're assessing people, but that is the tricky thing, right? The process technology is pretty straightforward. Time might be a constraint because you say, I have to do this assessment in the next 30 days and say, well, it's going to take, you know, at least a quarter for me to accomplish this. You need to be very clear that your assessment might not be very thorough uh, or complete. If you only have 30 days, it's hard to get a meeting on the calendar. It's hard people on vacation and whatnot. So you need to be very clear what time is the constraints and budget. Usually, you know, it's not a constraint, but certain organizations that are um, cost center uh, basic, so they want that WBS number, right? I want to charge time to it. What is the, the budget you have for this process? Usually a program assessment sort of uh, is, uh, is baseloaded, it's something that you do on a day-to-day for you, but not for the other organization. Let's say you cross boundary from cybersecurity to IT. Uh, or to cross to finance or cross to any other department, they need to use that personnel to do to help you on your assessment. So they might be looking for um, a number to charge that work to. So make sure if that's the case, make sure you identify that as a constraint that are limitation on your project. All right. So number four, list scope of exclusion. That's your added scope. So questions that you ask here is what systems are out of scope, what process are out of scope, what people you won't interview, and are you assessing people? If so, what you won't be assessing. That's what I just discussed with you. Remember, focus on the work, the amount of work, and why not stay away from skills, capabilities, because you'll be crossing that HR area. You don't want to be there or provide any opinion whatsoever, because most of this you'll be interviewing people that are not under your leadership or on your team or whatnot. So it's it's very sensitive. And number five, the most forgotten one, uh, is obtaining a sign-off. That's not a sign-off from your boss only, but from every stakeholder that for that program assessment you should do. It is very important because if you ask for that sign-off, one, first of all, the, the right off the bat, you have the buy-in, right? But by requesting the sign-off, you're also going to be discussing all the, the, the elements that we just discussed with the stakeholders. So they'll be quite aware what is needed, what you're trying to do, what's the objective. If they, they have the opportunity to um, massage a little bit, to customize and provide input on your, state, uh, your scope statement development. So they have some ownership as well. So they feel engaged. At the end of the day, you will win. They will win. So request and obtain those sign-offs. It can be something as informal as shooting an email and as formal as creating a form, a document, and requesting a signature. Whatever your organization feels most comfortable with. But you remember, you need to get that sign-off. Right? So this, this is what entails creating a scope it is, is very involved um it requires a lot of steps is upfront but you spend time now 
and you that will save you a whole lot moving forward all right next we go to step two data collection methodology as if you picked up a little bit here i'm throwing some scientific method here to reinforce uh your program assessment so you you, you look good and the program is, is strengthened by a scientific method right so if you're doing and here is the area that you're going to document for your assessment that you're doing qualitative you're doing quantitative or you're doing a little bit of both like a mixed method uh, approach if you're doing qualitative right you need to design that test and you need first you need to develop the questionnaire the questionnaire needs to be um based on some industry accepted standard that that reinforces uh, what you're asking. Uh, usually in cybersecurity, we do the NIST cybersecurity framework, NIST 853, ISO 27001 and 2, uh, and so forth. So you need to be based on that. So that takes pressure out of you. So if manager said, so where you got this question from? He said, well, I thought it was good. Well, that's a weak stand. So you need to say, well, based on this NERC's um, uh, NIST cybersecurity framework, right? This is where they ask you. This is what they need to know. So, so and, and if you any other specialized industry, if you're energy, the NERC SIP, if you in healthcare, the HIPAA, if you retail, the PCI, just make sure that you use those things to leverage in creating those questionnaires, right? The other very important, I cannot stress this enough, is piloting with your questionnaire. Make sure you pilot select the population select some some key players and send those questions to them along with those questions in the scope and i'll explain why now first you need to make sure the questions are open-ended you be interviewing you don't want a yes or no answer you need to collect information remember this is qualitative you need to, to let your interviewee speak and you're going to be listening and and he's active listening right you collect that information the other one, the other factor you want to pilot this is that you want to make sure is unambiguous that if you interview five different people, all separately, all five people will understand the same way and give you the uh, similar answers that you expect. Otherwise, you will suffer later on, for example, on a data analysis and we'll get there. But you're going to do some data analysis and you're going to find out this question was answered by five different people in five different days and they understood slightly different so the questions will be very hard to to analyze that is what the pilot team will do for you and the third and last thing that you want the pilot team to to uh, provide you feedback is when you send that scope statement to make sure that not only reading those questions to open or, or close statement or why not but also is the answer driving towards what your objective on your scope you have an objective you on that scope what are you trying to do what are you trying to accomplish is the the answers of these questions that you developed going towards the objective that is the feedback that you want so pilot the questionnaire is very very important next who's your target population who are your stakeholders you need to know, you need to document their part of the methodology, who you're going to be um, interviewing, what is, the, uh, what is the population. The other one is who you won't reach out to and why. 
the example we used before, vulnerability lifecycle management, for example. Let's say you decide not to interview IT and, and patching was part of your Idescope statement. Well, that take that note. Uh, note it down on your methodology. Those are the people you will not be reaching out to. So you see this building up and how this builds upon each other? Well, the next area you say is you say how the data will be collected, stored, and processed. If you're in a regulatory environment, that is very important, mainly how you're going to store that because there's certain standards, central regulatory standards that have very specific security requirements on them. So you need to make sure that is documented, how you're going to collect. Uh, if, if it's a qualitative, probably going to be interviews and probably going to be in a spreadsheet, a questionnaire, and you're collecting those answers. Or if it was a quantitative, you know, you're going to pull those reports out of the tools, where you're going to put them. Um, and then make sure that all your interviewers are familiar with the questions and note-taking process. Remember, here's the con on qualitative. Is that it is good as your interviewers experience. Because you're going to ask those questions. Because this is a semi-structured interview, right? You're going to have those 10, 15 questions that you're going to ask. But also what you're going to hear on the interview, that's why I mentioned active listening is that you're going to hear some hints that is going left or some hints that are going right, right? And then, then your interview should be experienced enough to say, oh, wait a minute, you mentioned this previously. Can you expand a little more, a little bit more on that? And that's when you start, when you do your, your annotations, you said the question was answered here, but it also was observed X, Y, and Z. That is the experience of your interviewer that counts a lot. So, not only that, so you need to be very, you know, concise, those questions, unambiguous, and having that focus, your interview. So that's the con with qualitative, but you can go around that by training your team. Uh, if you're going quantitative, so usually see more on the effectiveness test and audit, internal audits like to do that, provide me evidence, this, and, and do the test themselves. And is it, what tests will be performing? If you're doing vulnerability scanning, are you? doing the vulnerability scanning. Do you have an account on that application that you're going to select some system, schedule a scan, and scan yourself? So that's more of a quantitative. You have uh, that those numbers for you. Um, is your stakeholders doing a test for you and you're getting the results and you're doing the the, 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 the number crunching on your on that? Or, you, you know, once again, you're doing yourselves. So that needs to be annotated there on your methodology that needs to be very clear and last is if you're doing that mixed method a little bit both right define what parts of your assessment will be qualitative or interview based and what parts will be quantitative that task driven so it's very clear what you're going to do for one versus the other right so that concludes um the data collection methodology and next we're going to discuss is data collection yes data collection now the fun begins we did all the prep work we did our due diligence we document we create our scope we create a methodology now let's get to work so in data collection let's use that questionnaire um so to to facilitate here my my personal recommendation is and, and you can do the way you want it but i would send that questionnaire along with the meeting invite to the stakeholders. Give them an opportunity to read over and be prepared. That, that's going to be a smoother process as you're collecting those answers. 
uh, they will become prepared and then the meeting will be fruitful uh, to begin with, right? Uh, now, you can choose not to and show up in a meeting and say, okay, I have these 10 or 15 questions for you. Are you ready to answer? And at this point, it says, I hope so. So either way, whatever works best for you. Uh, so in data collect, you collect the answers from all the people that you select for the interview, writing them down, um, and then uh, keep them. Then uh, the next uh, part of the data collection also is, is, is review any relevant document, such as policy, standards, procedures, SOPs, any other supporting documentation. Here is the time you just collect them because you're going to be reviewing them later on. And remember, you may not have any documentation to review, but that's okay. No panic. Don't ask those documentations to be created right now. You are only collecting data. If there's no data to collect, that's fine. That's why are you are assessing the program to begin with to identify areas of potential improvement. So don't ask any of the departments or, or people that you uh, interview, hey, create these documentations for this assessment. That is not the purpose, right? So data collection is you collect them in uh, for future review, right? And so that that drives us for the next stage of this process as and once you collect, you're going to analyze the data. Yes. And once you receive that data, you're going to start analyzing the answers provided by the SMEs and compare them to the policy standard procedures that you collected, if any, of course, but also, right, you will be trying to do at this point is analyze if the actions match the documented processes. Remember the questionnaire, you ask the questions, you got the wrong answers from the SMEs. Now we're going to see, Hey, you said on question one, but I don't see anywhere in your process. I don't see anywhere in your documentations whatsoever. So is this an ad hoc uh, process or is just a, a formal undocumented process? So that will be part of your interpretation later on uh, and that you're gonna uh, be providing after this analysis, right? The other thing you're gonna be reviewing is any conflicting answer, either from an individual that conflict answer between, you know, um, question one and eight, um, that, that conflict or by the team, meaning question three had conflict answers by three different employees. So what, what that means, that will be part of your interpretation as well, right? You're going to start, that's the analysis. Remember, it's not just reading and collecting the answers, aggregating them. That's why this stage is called data analysis. That's the emphasis analysis, right? At this stage, you may also need to perform some follow-up interviews or for, for further clarifications. So in that is perfectly fine, right? And when you read there or some statements not very clear, and, and for example, that question three, they had three different conflicting answers. Perhaps you need to reach out and say, is this what you really meant to say? when you provide this answer and you separate and then you try to to see if it was a confusion or is is really true in that you can do these follow-ups right so you, that moves you to more of an interpretation phase and why doing interpretation what you're trying to do is is what is the impact of the delta that you found 
uh, from practice to what is written on the procedure or policy standard or supporting documents, right? Uh, that, that practice they do that is not documented anywhere. What, what, why is that? Or yes, it's document, but not exactly how you set on a questionnaire. So what is the impact, if any, right? Is that impact that a new employee will be trained based on what, on a document or on best practice that the group created over time? So what, what is your interpretation that you need to put it there? Uh, what is your take on a program for not having any documented processes? Right, remember, you have this practice, but I cannot find anywhere in your documentation. Is this a good thing or not? Well, you tell me, right? You the interview, you doing the assessment. That's the, that's the time you do that interpretation. Uh, did the team give uh, different answers to the same question? If so, what is your interpretation? What is the finding? Is something to worry about? Is something that, that you need to make your own interpretation, understanding the culture of the company, understanding what is written in the procedures, internal procedures, processes, and, and standards, and what is the impact that they, they work. That's the, the, your interpretation will end up being a recommendation to management. Keep that in mind. So the last phase is a report out. So here, here's where you comes to shine. Explain and expand all six steps discussed here. Right, you're gonna develop a table and report all the questions asked by the SME and their responses, right? Ask uh, from the SME or their responses, and also under the table, add a paragraph with your interpretation of the findings, and that's what we just did. That interpretation. So this way, you're gonna have a table with the question and the answers of your, you know, three, four, five, how many uh, uh, people that you interview. You put it there, and then underneath, you're gonna explain that interpretation of those findings. Uh, recommendation on how to fix, it should be a, another section on a report. So anything that you found a delta, anything that you found worrisome, you're gonna provide, or a weaknesses, right? You, you're gonna provide a, a recommendation. What is your recommendation to, to, to fix that? Now, here's very important, is not what you think. Right, that, that, that's pretty easy. Hey, you, you don't have documentation or, you, or this step could be better doing this. That's what you think. But remember in the beginning, you're gonna leverage those questions against this subsequent framework, the NIST 153 and so on and so forth. Make sure your recommendation aligns with those. NIST cybersecurity framework said uh, and established the gold standards by doing X, Y, and Z. So that is your recommendation should be based on that. Remember, take the pressure off your shoulders. The last section should be your conclusion. So based on that, what is your honest conclusion uh, of the program that you just finished assessing? Um, if you provide 15 recommendation, for example, conclusion is that out of this 15, the top five are must have to have a huge impact on the way the program is run, right? So something uh, similar to, the, to that effect. Uh, and uh, the, the thing that you can do here now next is, is depending on your organization, it could be adding to the appendix or keeping a separate, but what you need to do is all the assessment artifacts need to be saved 
for review or retest later on. And depending on your organization, appetite for detail can be added to an appendix to the report, or you just keep, you know, you just keep it saved uh, where you saved your questionnaire originally. Uh, for later on, if you, somebody wants to retest or, or ask more specific questions that you have forgotten, you can go back to those artifacts and pick up that from, right? So this is it. This is a program assessment. This is how you do it from A to Z. If you have any questions, please leave on the show notes. I'll, I'll answer them. And also, at the um, go on, on the show notes, you will have a link to a, a cheat sheet of how this process goes. So you might have taken notes throughout, but don't worry. I will, I will leave you a cheat sheet uh, on my website. So I'll leave the link on the show notes so you can go and get it, download it, enjoy it. I hope you have a great program assessment uh, based in here. I hope it helped you strengthen this. If you have any feedback, once again, just leave it in the show notes. I, I appreciate that. This is to help you be a better professional, help you make sure the program assessment that you do is a great success. Thank you. This is Dr. B. I'm out.